Hello and welcome to the BBHL podcast, episode one. I'm your co-host, Banger, Zick, Isaac Jenny, along with Ryan Hanfield over here on the other side, Hand. So basically the, uh, the purpose of this podcast is just to kind of give you guys an inside look at uh, different things, BBHL, different people's perspectives, an inside look at uh, maybe the locker rooms, the teams, uh, different people's draft strategies, and basically everything BBHL. We want to have a number of different guests every week. We'll be talking to captains, um, admins, a variety of players every week, commissioners, guys who are on the main staff. So some may ask, why are Hanfield and Banger qualified to run a podcast? They've only been in the BBHL, now entering their fourth season. The truth is, they're absolutely right. We have no real reason to run this beyond the fact that we would kind of like to. We have no experience podcasting. This is our first time. We've been in the league an absolute fraction of the time it's existed, but uh, here we are, ready to interview some guests. Hopefully we'll be able to capture uh, everyone's attention, kind of inspire some people into all things BBHL. Uh, obviously we don't have the mo- most experience, but uh, we're very, very passionate about BBHL, all its operations, and basically every Saturday coming to the rink, playing ball hockey with the boys. Now we're going to bring in our first two guests, uh, a plethora of experience with the league, with all of its uh, operations and history. Uh, our first guest is one of the original BBHL players and one of the founders of the league. I've been told he's played the most games in league history. Uh, he's a longtime churcher, defending champion, and most recently, a BBHL goaltender. Matt Virginia, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys, and uh, good use of the word plethora there. The extra credit. Thanks, Matt. Our second guest is a perennial Vezina candidate, uh, most recently the playoff MVP of the uh, latest PBHL season, and even more recently, a playoff champion in baseball, senior league Lakeshore with the A's, third baseman Chris Ratcheff. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a, truly an honor. Did you guys mix us up? Because I thought I was playoff MVP last year. You're wrong. Okay, sorry. Um, not quite, Matt. Sorry about that. We'll, we'll have to fact check that. You were a very effective fourth liner for what it's worth. I didn't know the BBHL we only had, had four lines. lines. <laughs> yeah. So the first topic I want to discuss basically is your experience with the league. You guys are veterans. You guys have been here since day one or very early on. What was the BBHL like in its inception? What did that look like back in the day? Matt? Okay, I'll go first. I mean, uh, back in the day, uh, it's been a long time. I mean, we didn't have cars back then. We would arrive at the games by horse carriage. Um, There was no sneakers. Um, Greg Kelly had a very profitable moccasin business, and all the players would would buy moccasins from uh, from Greg. Um, So it was tough getting to the games. Snowstorms were tough. It was horseback. Um, but we survived, and we we pulled through. So things have changed a lot. Chris, what um, do you think? Well, I'm not as veteran as Matt is. Um, I started uh, second year of the draft era. Um, there were cars when I started. Um, but, yeah, the, the league has definitely uh, changed over time. Um, Talents has gotten significantly better. I think uh, as of two years ago, when some of the younger players who are in the league right now came in, that's when we really saw a change. 
Um, talent is just soaring out there. We see it every week. Um, it makes it a little bit harder for us older fellows in the league, but uh, we try to keep up. Yeah, the first year of the league, there was one team, it was the Blazers, was formed entirely of swimmers and non-hockey players. So it, it made for challenging conditions out there. I guess to follow up on that, you spoke a little bit about how the talent level has really increased over the past couple of years, bringing in fresh blood, bringing in, you know, one one person comes to mind is Ben Godfrey. He's been a great player, a great leader of his team the last couple of years. I guess to follow up on that, what does the league look like going forward? Do you continue to see this wave of young players? Or does the age just kind of taper off and you guys play another five, ten years at your, at your peak? Personally for me, I can see myself playing into my late 30s, early 40s, so that'll give it about seven years. Um, I think that um, the, the young generation, so guys like Yano and Johnny, who are, I think, the youngest guys in the league, 23 years old, I think that's where it's going to stop. The BBHL is basically friends inviting friends to play. So as the, 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 the core members of this league get older, their friends get older as well. And if they want to come in, it won't be, we're not going to be bringing in 19 or 20 year olds anymore. I think it'll be mostly 26, 27 going up forward. And hopefully guys like us who are later on in life, dads and families, just, you know, just keep going and, uh, and uh, able to compete a little bit. So I guess my question in that regard is you say the league is going to keep its same core. Now that core is getting older. Do we see the talent level taper off as we move into our 30s, 40s? Do we see that happening? I've always said that the, you know, I'm not one of the strongest players out there, I'll admit it, but I've plateaued and I plateaued about 10 years ago. But as this younger generation comes into the league and they're fast and they're quick, and as they get their own beer bellies, they start to decline in terms of performance which adds a bit more parity to the league and, and balances things out. Yeah, not everybody's a Jason Quinn. Jason Quinn is in his mid-30s, and he's, like, a lot of you guys didn't see Jason Quinn play when he was in his 20s. It was unreal. This guy, he dominates out there right now, but if you put a 24-year-old Jason Quinn out, now, out there right now, it would, it would be total domination. Chris, do you see a current player who you see going to the late 30s and playing at the caliber that Jason Quinn is in the league right now? I you, think you, you guys can't see this, but you know I know it's a podcast, but Jason Quinn is at the table right now handing $50 bills to both of them right now. You guys, I know it's a podcast. I just thought I would point that out for the crowd. We, we have to fund it somehow. Um, <laughs> going back to uh, Hanfield's uh, question, um, I think if I had to name a guy that could possibly do that, obviously, barring that they stay healthy, uh, a guy like Nick Maggs, I think, has the talent. And uh, like I said, he's, he's fought with some injuries over the past few years. Um, as long as he stays healthy, I think he can have that dominance that Jason Quinn has. Uh, Ryan LeMay, same thing, injury prone, but he's a dominant player out there right now. Same thing, he could possibly go on to be in future years, seven, eight years down the line, still be what Jason Quinn is. That's great. Thanks for the answers, guys. 
So um, you're both defending BBHL champions along with Isaac and I. Um, can you talk about the experience from last season, more specifically in the playoffs, and what it took to win? Chris, you first. Oh, man. Uh, last year was a year. You know, it's, it was my first championship. Um, going into the playoffs, well, the regular season, we had a good team. We finished tied for first, ended up in second place. Um, we just, I found the team last year just really came together during those, that, that round robin and that semifinal and final run. Um, I still remember, like it was yesterday, that Brandon to Quinn, one-timer, top corner, game winner in uh, the second game of the finals. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I think that it took, took a lot of heart. I take a lot of, um, a lot of us coming together as a team and just finding each other out and figuring each other out and just overall playing exceptional. Yeah, team gelled. Um, it was a good room, uh, definitely. Uh, from my background, you know, being on a Blazers team that was full of swimmers and, and non-hockey players, it was nice to be on a team with actual hockey players. Uh, personal experience for me is when we had that overtime goal from Quinn to, sorry, BR to Quinn. Uh, first time I've been ever involved in a bench clearing celebration. So that was a highlight of my life, I would say. Not to overrate it, but yeah, I, definitely. I, I, from experience, that was Jason Quinn jumping, to my, jumping into my arms after being my boss for the last 10 years. It was something else. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't even believe it was happening. It was just... I, everything just came full circle at that moment. You know, there was a lot of first-timers in that, on that team last year. Sexually? And physically. Okay. <laughs> I, I, as one of the only guys under um, 40 on that team, along with Isaac and Logan, I, I was really happy that we could play some small role in helping you guys um, get your long-awaited championship. It's really important to me personally that I can help um, elderly folk. I think I speak for Isaac as well when I say that. It was actually really nice to see you right in front of me most of those games. Thank you. I don't quite get that the, very often. Quite behind. <laughs> All right. Moving right along to uh, other topics. We're going to ask you guys both. Chris, you're an admin now. Matt used to be an admin for the league. Ambassador, actually. Ambassador. Was the official Sorry. title. Sorry. Admin. Yeah, ambassador sounds better, I would say. Now, we just kind of take for granted. We complain about the fourth pitcher disappearing. But what kind of work goes on behind the scenes from the admins on a daily, weekly, annual basis to make sure that the league runs smoothly? I'll go first. Uh, first of all, after the draft and all the money is collected, we take the extra money that we've siphoned and we pour it on the table like Scrooge make money bags and we bathe in it and then we take some of that extra money and we all pocket it. We buy extra beer with it. Uh, Nick Mummy is been known to go on vacations funded by the BBHL. Um, Can so you that's... elaborate on that, please? Can we elaborate on the rumored I'd, free season? I'd like to just say this is all pre-Nick uh, Eshack Commissioner era, so anything the that is said era. now, I have nothing to do with. Gotcha. Everything is done by e-transfer. There's no taking money and throwing it on the table. The money baths are, are done? There is no money baths. But going back to the original question, um, obviously going into the registration, there's a lot of work that gets put into it. Uh, a lot of, it's just, it's making sure that all the guys who we know are gonna joining the league get registered, make sure that the money's in. Um, we have a very strict policy of if you don't pay, you don't play. 
So it's like we just we want to make sure that those guys who have said that they're going to play register and have their stuff, have their money in so that everybody has a, uh, uh, everybody is registered and, and whatnot. Um, but after that, it's the beginning of the season is always the hardest. It's always back and forth. We have a lot of meetings between the admins. Um, there's a lot of uh, discussion that goes on to make sure that the season ends up running smoothly. And then after that, a lot of the events and stuff like that get taken care of by Derek. So it's just it's mostly him taking care of um, making sure that the events go smoothly with obviously the rest of us being sure, being there to support him and make sure he has everything that he needs for it. Yeah, just on a serious note, um, I'd just like to thank all the admins over the years, not just this year, but over the past. Uh, this league takes a lot to run. It's a great league. Uh, there's not many like it in Montreal or I'm sure anywhere. Uh, so I think we owe, all owe a uh, big thank you to, to all the admins over the years because this league is great and we got to keep replenishing it, right? So um, there's been a turnover over the years. I think we did a great job of having a succession plan. Um, so just keep that in mind, everybody. Thank all you. Said. So guys, um, you've been in the league for a long time. Who is the most polarizing player you've ever played with? It could be for a variety of reasons, on-ice conduct, off-ice conduct, um, let us know. Uh, Matt? Do you, do you mean polarize like love-hate or polarize like defense, offense? So if, I can, if I can add, for me, the most polarizing player I've played with is my current captain. And I don't want to throw him under the bus, Brandon Runners. So Brandon, on any day, I believe he's the best forward, defenseman, player in the league. Wow. But there are some days where... You know, you kind of see Brandon. He's he's lethargic. He's just he's kind of just. Uh, he's in that age group. about his knee. Is it his knee? I don't know. It's his knee. Apparently, about his knee. Apparently, you just see him uh, kind of going through the motions. Uh, he's not he's not always the best motivator of the team. That that for me is like he's either on Mount Rushmore or he's like you don't really know where he is. Just like that that. That contrast between him at his best and him at his worst. Are you saying that he decides when he wants to try, but most of the time he just mails it in? I, yes. Not, no, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to say no, but I'm not going to say yes. I'm just going to You just said yes. Okay. Well, Virginia, what's your... So, so polarizing in terms of love-hate, like a, like a Romeo, you know, half the, ha, half the league loves him, half the league hates him. Um, that's Who hates him exactly? Out of curiosity, if you could just a list. Uh, I, I've prepared a list. If you guys would like, how much time do we please, have? Please uh, take. Please take your time. I'd love to hear who hates Romeo. I was, I I know was focusing that. more on polarizing in terms of uh, of a two way player, somebody that's there offensively, defensively, somebody that's you hate playing against him, you love playing with him. And and I was thinking about Petuli actually, uh, Ryan, not Matt. Um, Matt, 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 Scrap. Ryan is the one I wanted to <laughs> highlight. Um, and I know he's coming on next and he'll be, you know, in the next segment. And he promised me that he would say the same thing about me. So this is really, you know, reciprocal. Uh, I'm, I'm going to call out Patchouli to, to be that most polarizing player of the BBHL. His, his session's already been recorded and he, he didn't mention he, you. He did not? No. Can I, is it too late to change my answer? Uh, Ratchef, on to you. Um, <laughs> it's funny because you mentioned a punisher. I'm going to go with uh, a fellow goalie of mine. I think John Veredis is Ooh. by far right now the best goalie in the BBHL. Um, yes, I've won Vesna's, I've won championship, but Veredis, it's it wasn't a brag, it was just I was just stating some facts. 
but Veretas recently and even last year it was he, the way that he plays the way that he uh, sets himself up in the net the way that he tracks the ball is is unreal he had another shutout tonight um, honestly the, the the Punishers are undefeated they've tied like four games or whatever it is but those the fact that they are undefeated right now and they do not have a loss has a lot to say about John Bredis. He is, in my mind, the best goal in the NBA. I guess, I guess my question or my follow-up on that is we're not technically asking that. We know Bredis is, is Bredis. He's the gold standard for goaltenders. But who is, who is the one guy where you see him at his best and you see him at his worst and everything in between? Like, you see that just span of talent, uh, ego... Do you have anyone? I'm going to go with Ryan Gore. Okay. I've seen Ryan Gore at his best. I've seen him definitely at his worst. And that's just not on the rink, but outside of the rink also. Can you give us and more? And his here? ego oh. is quite large. And anybody who knows Ryan Gore knows that about him. Uh, he says I tend to rag on him a bit more than others, but... You know, Ryan Gore is, when he's on, he's on. When he's off, well, like anybody, he's, he's not having a good game. Uh, but How does he, when, when he's off, though, can you give more details? Like, what do you identify as the factors that make him off? Is it his work ethic? Is it his attitude? It, I think it, it his... depends on how much he's had to drink the night before. Right, but, okay. Uh, okay, well. you know, that, that can go for most people out there. But, but that's not something that he can control, is it? <laughs> One should be able to control the amount of alcohol they intake the night before a BBHL game or any game in that matter, but apparently Ryan Gore is not one of those. Well, you know what? At least he plays on like certain Blazers out there. Who are you uh, calling out here, uh, Bang? We'll, we'll discuss that on, that's on a future episode. All right, all right. Sounds good. Guys, to wrap up, anything else you want to add here? I was promised some beer. Um, it's the only reason I'm really here. There's been a lot of equipment of the, uh, that was bought here. I don't think there's anything left in the budget for Ryan out of the BHL budget. Yeah, oh, yeah, Virginia. Um, quickly, quickly, how was your goaltending experience last week? We saw you were a real stand-up goalie, a real vintage guy. Stand-up in terms of I don't go down? or Correct. Okay, I thought you meant like stand-up as in... Oh, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't think not go went down. down at all during that game. I'd, I'd like to ask uh, Ratchev, who's an admin, if I played one game as goaltender, does that make me eligible for the Vesna? Absolutely. We yes. actually, there was that, we, going on that fact, Ryan Gore last year was, is signed up as a forward, played games as forward, but played most of his games as a defenseman and was eligible for the Norris last year. So technically, yes. I don't think you're going to get it with six or seven goals against, but, you know, you could put your name in it. Is there a chance the trophy would maybe be renamed after me? <laughs> okay, let's, uh, all right. <laughs> Guys, thanks for coming out uh, on behalf of Bangs. Appreciate having you guys out for the first episode. Thank you, guys. So our next two guests are the last two Norris winners of the league. Um, one led defenseman in points two seasons ago and another led defenseman in points last season. The two of the most passionate and fiery players in the league and the captain of the Ducks and Punishers. We have Ryan Patuli and Ben Godfrey. Thanks for coming out, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, boys. So, guys, I guess we just want to give the viewers and everyone who's going to be listening, the listeners, rather, I guess that would be, kind of an inside scope into the draft. Everyone is just so encompassed by the draft. Everyone 
is so enthusiastic about which team is going to take them, which team isn't going to take them, whether they're going to get picked by the Blazers or not and be unhappy for a whole year. <laughs> take us through that process. What kind of work and preparation goes into that? And then how do you translate that when you're on the draft floor? Well, to be honest, uh, I think you may be talking to the two captains that prepare the least for each draft. I mean, uh, we, we've sit, sat beside each other twice in a row for this draft, and uh, I've seen his sheets as, it, as you look over and try and uh, figure out what your, your fellow captains are looking at in the draft, and uh, I've seen that uh, he doesn't put a lot of work, and I'm, I'm the same. I kind of look at the players, and uh, the first round you get a feel for. The first two rounds probably you try and, you try and see what's going to go on, maybe do a mock in your head, but after that it's, it's, it's really to me it's more of a feel you can't you can't go into the draft with a set plan because you don't know what the other guys are going to do there's so many trades lately the past two seasons have been trade heavy and it's a it's chaotic to try and try and figure it out um so i kind of go in and and just read the situation i have like a few key guys i i want to pick a few cornerstones uh guys that i've had in the past that i know are going to perform well and uh when i go in i'm just kind of you don't know like if you if you go in and you're trying to pick a team that's going to be a goal scoring team and if uh, the pieces don't fall to you that you don't have a goal scoring team you can't force it so uh like especially this year i picked a probably a grindy team as you guys may have noticed and you kind of just have to fall for that and i find the more the more kind of work and thinking you go into it maybe kind of clouds your judgment it may affect you negatively in how you pick yeah honestly i i couldn't agree more on that <clears throat> Excuse me. It's uh, you like Ben said. You could have a mock for the first round or two, and that's kind of a little predictable. You'll see guys are getting the usual guys that they always want, but after that, it's it's a shit show. People are making trades. You, everybody's talking trades, and no one's really aware of what's going on other other than the people involved in those trades. So you're kind of just picking best player available at that time, and you just you, you take what you can get. So you kind of have an idea for your team and and who you want to get after your first one or two picks. And after that, you're just you're taking the guys you want, the guys you know, and every now and again, you, you take a risky pick. You see if it's a new guy in the league, and you hope it works out. But more or less, like Ben said, I'm not really doing too many mocks. I got the first round or two in my head. After that, I'm scrolling down the sheets. I'm taking the sheets given to us, and uh, you know, it's 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 more about putting the team together once you have it, putting those lines together, right. rather than having all those having preset lines and all that and thinking what you're going to have in the draft. 99% of the time, it's not going to happen. So, You get guys out there like Ryan Hanfield here who's got a full Hillroy of uh, everyone's hand that they shoot, left or right, fully nerding out. It was necessary. It helped us. And I guarantee he probably didn't get half the guys he wanted. Probably not. You're going to get disappointed, and that's what happens. I am simply the subservient of Ryan Gore. Whatever he wanted, I said yes. I'm a yes man. So he wanted me to make left-rights on the Hillroy. I put left-rights on the Hillroy. He wanted a ranking of everybody, top to bottom. I gave it to him. This is what I do. The, the only thing I'm looking at is, do I want a forward or do I want a D? So I'm going to ask you guys. I'm, I'm on the outside. You guys are all part of the draft process. I'm sitting in the other room at the edge of my seat twiddling my fingers and drinking my beer just waiting to see what, what team I get picked to. What actually goes on on the other side of those those doors and how does that affect the whole process for you? Does, does that enhance the draft? Does that take away from anything? 
I'll, I'll take this one if, they, if that's all right. Honestly, on the other end that a lot of people are missing, it's a lot of drinking. Okay. We're yep. all slamming back a lot of beers, and you always have a couple guys talking to each other about draft day trades and all that, but you're not missing out on much. You guys are drinking on that side. We're drinking on this side. And like we said about the draft prep, we, we know a little bit, but not much. You just, like I said, if, you, if you're waiting to, for a guy to drop to you, you're probably going to miss out on him. So you got to mm-hmm. have a couple guys prepared and, and be happy with whatever you got. So, but Ryan, to what you said, I don't. Would you? Are there names of captains who do that, or are hoping and praying for a certain guy to come to them at a certain round that they've prepared for or expecting? Is yes. that the norm for most? You got oh, no to- doubt. You, you have guys in, in every in every round that you're going. I, I hope I could get him here. I hope. But guess what? You probably got a guy that one captain that ranks him two rounds higher than you, and another and another four captains that rank him four rounds lower than you. Right. So you, you just got to know that the guy that's that wants him the most and where he's going to pick him. And you could kind of see that as the draft goes, you see, okay, he's probably going to get picked in the next ten picks. You got to, you got to be ready to jump up in the draft if you want him. And so, you almost was, can, can you I almost can have, I ask you a question, Ben? Yeah, go for it. Who, who was that player for you guys where you felt like you had to maybe go a round or two earlier to get the guy that you wanted? Who was that guy that maybe he's a little bit low key, underrated? Who was the guy that you really, really wanted? that you maybe went around early to get? Well, for me, the, the way, especially this year, the way I saw the cards falling into, into my hand, I saw that I, I wasn't going to be able to get like the key goal scorers that you see out there, the, the guys that you know are going to put up a lot of points. And so that I knew right away that I had to build a defensive team. So that meant taking one of our guests here today, Chris Ratcheff, maybe a bit earlier than a lot of people would have thought. But to me, I wanted to make sure that I got that, that, that anchor in the back, that cement wall on D and in the goalie, and we can build up from there. And So, Ben, just to be clear, um, after your first pick of Johnny, in the second round, you completely readjusted your whole draft strategy and went for a defensive team. Um, well, no. Like, when I saw Johnny, I saw, well, I had Mouse here drafting right behind or before me, and that... I had two kind of scenarios in my mind. I was like, it, it depend on what he was going to do. He made a trade, and then obviously kind of shit hits the fan at that point. But as we said before, you can't kind of you can't set yourself up too early because there's going to be trades. So there's a trade away first round, and I had to adjust. And you're going to be disappointed if you, if you're you're set on what's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to be disappointed. That's for so sure. So who was that guy for you? Honestly, I would say it's a little bit of the reverse. I I kind of I had an idea where guys liked everybody. And I figured those first six picks, you know, I, I had a good idea who they're going to be. And when it came down to it at seven, I felt between, after taking Johnny Bredis, between eight and 12 to 13, very similar guys. So I figured if I'm going to take seven and eight, is that that much of a step up from taking 13 and then moving up to 15? So I figured, you know what, I'm going to take a couple guys here. I'll trade down. And I figured I could still I could still get the guys I wanted at later picks rather than waiting a whole two rounds after. So definitely a different strategy from, from what Ben's kind of like. Yeah, and, and for me, like I had a choice from taking my brother Gerald Goffrey, but from last season I had Gerald, Johnny, and Adam, three incredible forwards. And I saw that that Johnny and Gerald didn't didn't have like the same chemistry as as you kind of wish. Johnny 
and him are very similar Your rushing. Two top picks. Yeah, two top picks. Very similar rushing the puck, the ball in, and setting up. Whereas Adams more of a control type player. So I was like, am I gonna pick Johnny as my center and Gerald to be the top wing where Gerald needs a guy with him, but them two don't work as well together as you would wish of your top two guys. So why try and force that when you can slide back and pick a goalie and, and set yourself up more for a, a more defensive team? Yeah, I, I definitely learned that last year where I, w- I went all out offense and, and figured, you know what, we're controlling the ball. We're not going to give up much, but we, we lacked a little bit of defense and our goaltending wasn't, wasn't the same as it was this year, and that ended up hurting us. I well, mean, he did the best he could, but, you know, We'll definitely touch on last year very shortly, Ryan. We'll just move on to something else quickly. Um, staying on the draft, how did your assistant captains, Eric Spensieri and Justin Romeo, help with the draft prep? And what kind of input did they give at the table? What kind of leadership did these two bring to your respective teams? Were they, ju- were they just eating pizza and drinking, or were they, were they really helping you guys out with the draft? Spen was uh, very worried, uh, worried on the wing situation on that draft <laughs> night. That w- I think that was his, his number one concern. Um, but I think Spen, he was more there to try and take it in, to try and learn about what, what's going on. And I appreciate that. He kind of like let, it, let things go as they were. Um, he was very much a yes man. I would go to a sheet and I would say, do you want this guy? And he said, yes. Is that what you want as an assistant captain? Somebody just going to agree with everything you say? Yes and no. Uh, but at the same time, like I knew... Eric and I are very similar in the in the type of players that we like, so I knew that if I liked a guy, he would like him also. There was one point though that a lot of heat was 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 uh, was shown to me about skipping out on Logan Brett. Can you elaborate oh. a little bit more? Oh. So during the draft, it's it's very chaotic. Chaotic. You have your sheet. You're trying to highlight off guys that have been traded and picked, and you're trying to track what's going on. Trades are happening, and. Uh, at a point where I was like, I wanted Alex Simpson because I played with him last season, and I find he's incredible. I love playing with him. He suits me very well as a defensive partner, and I find he's very, 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 very underrated as a player. So I had him as one of, as one of my key guys to pick later in the draft because he often kind of falls low. And uh, it came around to us at, uh, I forgot what round it was, and a couple names above that in the ranking system that the Sheets given up to us, Logan was above him. And I uh, did not see that. So I, I said to, to Spen, you want to pick this guy? Which was Alex Simpson. He said yes. And uh, it turns out Logan was still there. Neither of us saw it. So are you putting the blame on Spen? Or are you taking... Or I'm just saying maybe I didn't want Logan Brett. Hmm. Oh, boy. The Kingsmen are really hot enjoying take, happening hot now. Hot take, hot take. Logan is currently a point-per-game defenseman on the Kingsmen for what it's worth. What's the standings look like? Does, doesn't really matter. I mean, it's early season. Patuli, any... So so what I'll say about Romeo, I've had him two out of the last three years, and picking him in the third or fourth round and having him as an as my assistant captain probably didn't make too much of a difference. Ryan, Ryan did just put up parentheses on assistant captain for Romeo. Well, Let the record show. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll I don't know what, what that means, but I will say that that did so happen. So Romeo... I mean, I don't know how much he does for the squad. He's a great drinker. He's great in the room. How much of an assistant captain he is? Eh, I, I don't know. I don't know what other assistant captains do. It's the first time we've had them this year, so that's why I put up the parentheses. What I will say is I trust the guy's analysis on players' skills. So when Romeo says this guy's a good player, 
I'll trust him on that. And when he says he's a, he's a weaker player, I'll trust him on that too. The one thing I won't take into consideration for Romeo is when he's thinking about a general picture. I've got a, more of a general picture for the team. I'll know which forwards, which Ds I like. But when there's a guy I don't know so much or a guy I do like a lot, he'll say he'll tell me, like, listen, this guy's severely undervalued. You should take a look at him. And that's where Romeo is, is one of the best. I've, I've had Romeo two out of three years. I've had Ribeiro two out of three years. And every year, Romeo looks me in the eyes when Ribeiro's there, and he goes, that's a fucking steal. You've got to take him here. It's an absolute steal. Yeah. When Romeo tries to give me a bigger picture for the team and his, his views for that, I don't take it as much because he kind of just likes the guys he likes. But when I know when I want a forward, a D, and a goalie, I'll trust Romeo. Between these, I'll go, hey, between these two, three Ds, who do you like? And he'll say this guy, and that's where I'll trust his, his player analysis a lot. I find, actually, Eric Spencieri, after the draft, has really come into his own as an assistant captain, as, as we call it. Um, especially... We are undefeated as Eric Spencery fills up the water bottles before the games. It's got to mean something. I mean, I'll say we're undefeated on the year. No, that's true. Clean sweep of the league, boys. Also, uh, we were trying to figure out a D situation as I kind of went against the grain and picked two guys that had listed forward on their sheet to play defense, and neither of them actually wanted to play defense. My fault. Um, <laughs> so we were kind of scrambling trying to figure out Ooh, we're going to put on D if we're going to do it by committee, kind of one game each, kind of play a D, kind of kind of swap it around. And uh, Spen said Shane Pollard played D for us one time last year, and he was pretty solid. So I asked Shane, and he said, yeah, I love it. He played D all summer long, and honestly, that guy has stepped in, added an extra offensive ability on the back end, which is huge. You can never discount having that. And... That was probably one of the biggest things Spen has brought to our team. I'll tell you what, that was last year, and he played on our team, and he, he's a great defenseman. Shane, Shane's fucking, he's solid. Usually a center guy, but he's a two-way guy, and he, he's great on D. That guy has a massive windup, so if you put him at the blue line, he has time to take it. That's a big <laughs> difference. So I guess my next question, we've seen the last two, two years previous to this. Ryan Batuli won the championship with the Punishers two years ago, and last hey, hey. year... Unfortunately, finished last. Ben Godfrey kind of did the opposite. It was last place with the Ducks two years ago, tied for first place last year. What did you guys learn from those two experiences? How did they differ? Is there things that you learned that you have taken into your strategy for this year? Uh, just talk a little bit about that, about, about the difference between the two years. Um... Well, that was my first year in the draft era as a captain, too, the year that the, the Ducks had their worst year in franchise history. So I'll take the blame on that, on, on some of the drafting. I kind of tried too hard to take some guys that uh, may have reached for, thought their abilities were better than they were. We also had a few injury troubles. Mike Viglis was concussed the whole season, pretty much. And it uh, shows now the guys tearing it up this year for the Ducks. And that last year, uh, two years ago, we had a... One of his worst seasons, and people kind of counted him out as, as being out, but that was just injury troubles. And honestly, my, I'll take, take a lot of blame myself. I wasn't the most positive captain on the ice. I often would freak out towards the refs. Got in a lot of trouble about that also to our prior commissioner. Now, can we confirm or deny this? You, after those, I guess you can say spats with the referees, 
was it rumored that you would be banned as a captain going forward? Is, is that something that that you were, that it was addressed with you? It was. It was. Are these rumors up indirectly that uh, my antics as a captain and I guess probably the underperforming of the Ducks was was not very much taken nicely by by the league and the admins and uh, there was talks about not having me back as a ca- captain in the next year um, but since then since then I think I've learned a lot but a lot of that I think comes to how much I care about the performance about not just my team but a lot about myself you're passionate I'm, I'm very passionate yeah so if if I I'm find that up. if I find that I'm not performing as, as well as I can I, I tend to get a lot angry. Not just at myself, a but at, at the season. A lot angry. <laughs> so, I mean, if, uh, <laughs> if I'm not performing as, as I wish, I, as I think I should be, I tend to take it out on things, and sometimes the reps are the easiest way to take it out on. And yeah, But I think I've grown since then. I think uh, people have, no, have noticed that I don't yell at the reps as much as I do, and I'm a lot more positive than I have been. Um, but I'm also a guy, too, that... I play better when I'm mad, when I have a, a chip on my shoulder, when I'm a bit angry and upset. And I, I found instead of showing that out towards the teammates, I kind of just show that, like, keep that inside of me and I get angry myself and then I'll, I'll pick my game up. Um, to, to follow up on Ben here, um, my first year with Punishers, we had, we had a fantastic year. I got to bring that back to having Justin Romeo as an admin. Um, he was able to help me find a little, a couple diamonds in the rough, like Mark Glode and and Thomas Ribeiro, where those guys had never played in the league, and you know we we took a chance on them, and they really happened to pan out. And I find what's really underrated is, I know the season doesn't have that much of a say when it comes to playoffs; it's a point or two, max. But coming coming from last year, if you're having a tough, tough year, it ruins the confidence it's of your team. Too. I mean, we, we didn't have we were number one in the power rankings to start the year last year, and we finished as the worst team in BBHL history. And that's just simply, we, we came out strong, we were playing decent, but we, we couldn't gather a win together. Boys got negative. I'll be the first one to say, I'm like Ben, I get fucking heated. I want to win games. I'm a piss poor loser, and you know, it sucks to suck. And that was a tough year. We won two games all year. We were miserable. And it didn't help in the playoffs. We grinded. Everybody kept telling us, oh, we're, we're scared to play it. We're scared to play it. Well, guess what? You know, we're scared to play everybody. We couldn't fucking find a way to score goals. We couldn't find a way to stop goals. It's just, it was the worst of both worlds. And we hustled, but we just couldn't find a way to, to pull a win together. We'd be up 3-0 and find a way to lose. We'd be down 3-0, find a way to come back. But no matter what it was, we, we couldn't find a way to win the game. Ryan, in the past, you've talked about um, a certain draft style. I know that you kind of go with the flow with the draft but I know you used to talk about stacking up on forwards and drafting one defenseman and then not worrying too much about the goalie how much did last year impact that strategy going into this season or did it have any effect it, at all it had to have no well, well that strategy was mostly like listen you, you got one or two puck moving defensemen the other guys you know get the ball over to your puck moving guy move the ball up and if you could bring the pace of play to the other team you, you hope your goalie wouldn't be that much of an issue if you had a weaker goalie. So if we're in the other zone and we're out shooting teams 30 to 15, 30 to 20, even if they got a better goalie, I'd, I'd rather be the team with the ball the whole game. But unfortunately, last year we had a tough time. Um, 
I, I strayed a little bit from my draft strategy. I drafted a few more D than normal. Our forwards were decent. Our goaltending struggled a little bit. Um, we, we did lead the playoffs in goals. We had the most average goals per game by a goal and a half compared to every other team. And we finished two and four. And that's, that's not good enough. And whether that was, I'm not, I'm not putting that blame on our goalie. Yeah, he led in a few weak ones, but we were just not good enough defensively. And it was just, we had to be better overall as a team. We had some tough games, but it, a lot of the time, we, we would have 15-minute spurts where we're the best team in the league, and then you have 20-minute spurts where you're the worst team in the league, and that just really killed us. So I guess we'll switch gears a little bit. We've talked a lot about the draft. Um, I guess I just want to kind of move on to players in the league and your preferences with them. So I guess the first question I'll have is, if there are one or two players in the league right now who you've maybe never played with, but you play against them every week and you see their value and you see their talent. And then I guess my follow-up to that is, who is the best teammate you've ever played with? Who have you really thrived with? Who's been, who's fought to the death with you guys? So Ben, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll push that to you. I'll take that uh, first. I think Honestly, there's one player out there that every year you're like, this guy's got to slow down, and every year he never does, and that's Jason Quinn. And I've never played with him in the BBHL. I'll play with him once a week in the NBHL, and, and him and I work very well together, and I don't know why I've never tried to pull the, the BR and trade up and get him, because this guy is incredibly amazing. Like it's, it's outstanding how well time in and time out this guy performs every year. And uh, second part of that question, I would say Johnny Pucci. I would kill for Johnny Pucci. The guy pours his heart out every single game. We'll be up 5 nothing. and the guy tries to block a shot with his face. I will try and pull him off the ice at the end of the games when we're winning games because he'll ch- still try and block shots and dive on the floor. And you just that just drives your team forward. A guy playing like that, you can't... When you see that on your own team, you can't help but play the same way. So... To continue that, I'll say uh, the one guy I've never played with, and every goddamn draft, I try to fucking get him, Phil Barnes. Every fucking year, I go, all right, this year I'm going to get Phil. I'm going to get him. I find he's a good puck mover, can bring up a ball, hustles, knows what he's doing. And every year, he gets picked right before I want him. And it's just so frustrating because at the end of the season, I go, once again, yeah, well, I probably should have taken him there. But, you know, he's just one of those guys that he's I, – I would find one of the most underrated players in the league. Yep. Now, best team that I've ever had, I got to go one and two guys. One, Joe Rogers. I've had him so many years. Unfortunately, couldn't get him this year, but I fucking love Jumbo Joe. And number two, I'm sure all you guys know, my boy, Matty G. That guy is a legend. Matty he G. hustles. He grinds. He will never fucking give up. He, would, he bleeds fucking Punisher gold. He couldn't make it to our cottage trip last year. He was miserable. He thought he, he had his wife's family reunion, and he tried to get out of it to come to a Punisher's weekend. I mean, how much more fucking commitment can you have? That's great answers, guys. Thanks very much. We're going to change gears again here. We're going to play a quick game called This or That. I'm going to ask you each a question. You have two options. Just give me the answer straight up. Yep. Tuli, you ready? Yeah, sure. More punctual, Savoie or Matt Patuli? That's a fucking liability question. 
Savoy, because he's here before Matt, but he's just smoking joints in the parking lot till five he's, minutes into he's, the game. He's in the vicinity of the dome he, before He's here. Matt. Yeah. You know he's okay. here. He's just smoking pot till the right. first five minutes of the game. Ben, more, most cancerous teammate, Spen or Jeff? Ooh, that is tough. I think I'm going to say Jeff, because uh, oh. now, now I've played with Spen twice, and he's winning games now. So, Jeff, sorry. Both of you, one word answer. Goalie first round or last round? First round. Last. Who was the better looking Paolucci brother? Mike. No answer. <laughs> Draft a solid decor or a deep forward group? Forward, forward group. group. Ben, who is the nicer guy? Phil Barnes or Sandro Di Trapani? Oh, shit. Both. <laughs> that, that, I don't think there's an answer to that. Um, no. I think I'm, I'm going to lean towards Phil Barnes more because I think I know him a little bit more. You guys I, also I, left I, out uh, Ben Mummy. He is a great guy. No Legends. one in the league, sadly, though. Uh, Arpat, ideal D partner, Matty G or Dog? Got to go with Dog. Had a fucking crazy year with him this year. Matty G, though, great forward. He just, he just said that he loved playing with Matty G every year. Yeah, Matty G's a forward. Play with him. Under the bus Matty right G's a forward weird. now, baby. Oh, that's weird. Sorry, Matty. Which struggling, underperforming team is most likely to make a trade first? PCU or Churchers? Churchers, I would say. Churchers. Yeah. Go, uh, Drew picks with his heart and he'll never trade any of his core players. He picked too many Kirkland guys and he won't trade them. He's so stubborn. BR's, BR doesn't give a shit. He just wants to win. Better hockey IQ, TJ or Kyle Armstrong? Ooh. I would say Kyle. Probably Kyle. TJ just likes to play by himself the whole game. Yep. I guess my last question for you guys would be, if you were to pick the favorite for the Grinders Cup at this point, you can't say your own team. can't say your own team. Who would be that team for you? One word. That's it. Ben? Hmm. Can't say my own Kingsman. team. Kingsman. Kingsman? Thanks. I would say Punishers. That's good. Guys, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for participating. Um, that was awesome. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having, Thanks for having us. Thanks, lads. Guys. Appreciate it.